1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus.
0: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. We're glad that you're listening. And we love getting your comments via our email or on our Facebook page, our Spirit of Recovery page. And we want to thank you for participating here with us on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you also for letting your friends and your family members and your people that you know in recovery and in your Unity community know about us here at Spirit of Recovery. It's really great to be broadcasting on this topic here on Unity Online Radio, www.unity.fm. And again, we love hearing from you, and we're glad to know that what we're doing here is making a positive difference in your life. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community, and we have guests who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable, and who are innovative, people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and um, they're bringing you practical information that you can use, and we've got lively discussions here on Spirit of Recovery that get you thinking We want you to know that you can listen to the Spirit of Recovery on, in a variety of ways. Of course, you can listen online through your computer. You can listen through your, uh, through your mobile phone. You can also listen 24 hours a day, uh, to the Spirit of Recovery on our archives. And that's at www.unity.fm backslash, um, program backslash Spirit of Recovery. The spirit of recovery is a welcoming place, and so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member – or your family member or friend of somebody that has a disease of addiction, uh, whether or not they're in recovery or you're just curious, looking for information about the recovery process, you just want to learn some more, we really welcome you here at the Spirit of Recovery and uh, welcome you to participate in our discussions and to as a listener. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And lots of years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles. And that walk keeps richly transforming my life and keeping me growing in ever deeper ways. So I'm really grateful and um, delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to bring you the wonderful guests that we have here. And also to hear your experiences of recovery and spirituality. Today our topic is, your best therapist might just be a real dog. And we're going to be talking today about animal therapy. Uh, we know that a lot of people perhaps uh, realize uh, that... Uh, When folks have physical disabilities, animals uh, can be very helpful as companion animals and as service animals in various ways. Perhaps what uh, people may not be so much aware of is that animals can also be really helpful in emotional healing and in our recovery processes. You know, animals can't be fooled. They tune in at the nonverbal level, and uh, so you can't pull the wool over their eyes. And that makes animal-assisted therapy a wonderful, powerful tool um, to get uh, People out of their heads and into their hearts and into uh, the facts of their lives um, so that they can discover that divinity within their lives, that higher power that lives within them and around them. My guest today is Carol Brown, and Carol's been with us here before on Spirit of Recovery. She's got lots and lots to share. And uh, today, Carol uh, is going to be talking uh, with us about her golden retriever, Elby, who and uh, she and Albie are members of the Harry Angel Foundation Incorporated. That's a charitable foundation in Sedona, Arizona and it does raise golden retrievers to be service dogs for autistic children. Um, Carol has certainly uh, has worked with uh, autistic children and also she's carried uh, the use of therapy dogs and uh, Albie and other dogs that she has had working with her beyond uh, the people that have the uh, situation of autism. Carol has been a substance abuse counselor for over 30 years. She's been working to help people advance and enhance their recoveries. And her focus is on helping clients take the healthiest and best possible care uh, to free themselves to live useful and fulfilling lives. And you can learn more about Carol's work at CarolBrownAbetterWay.com. And that's Carol. Um, and Brown has an E on the end. A better way dot com, C A R O L B R O W N E, a better way dot com. So, Carol, thank you so much for being with us here today on Spirit of Recovery. You're
2: so welcome to hear you start talking about dogs already, just puts me in a very excited place because it's so much fun. So I'm glad yes. to share with you all about that today.
0: That's great. And um, I know that uh, you just Got back from a a new training in Sedona at the Harry Angel Foundation. I'm going to ask you about that later. But uh, first, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with animal assisted therapy.
2: Well, that's a wonderful story. I love these stories that just kind of fall out of the sky. And and my connection, my first connection with Harry Angel Foundation was pretty much like that. I was with a friend at the emergency room. Uh, in Sedona, Arizona, she was there in having severe stomach pain, and we were in the emergency room. And the doctor walked in with a giant golden retriever, and he happened to be the ambassador dog for Harry Angel at that time. He was the doctor's dog, and because he was a service animal, she had him at work. And so, while she was ministering to my friend, I of course was very interested in him, and so I lost my balance a little bit, and I sat down hard on the floor. And Tip thought that was fun, and he sat down on me. And so that was the beginning of our relationship. And uh, the doctor explained what Harry Angel Foundation was, and I called Fran Elliott, the owner-breeder, and that was our start. And that was in November of 2001. In 2002, I got my first puppy to raise. Mm
0: Hmm. So you sound like you had a real personal experience there uh, with a a service dog or a therapy dog. What was it that got you uh, even more involved? When you took your first training, what were the what did you see that could come out of that animal assisted therapy?
2: Even in that first conversation with Fran, when she began to talk about. What it was like f- with these dogs and these kids together. And I knew nothing about autism really. And my only uh, qualifier interest at that time was I had previously had a golden retriever for 10 years. But even as she, in that early time when she was explaining that connection that happens and what happens on an energetic level for these kids, that was so astounding that really piqued my interest, and I wanted to be a part of that.
0: You you talk about the energetic level and and obviously working with autistic uh, children. Help us understand that. Maybe tell us briefly about autism um, and what you mean by the energetic level.
2: Okay. So one of the key, I don't know even today, Ten years later, I don't know a lot of specific information about autism, but one thing as a broad generalization is that with these kids or people, but we, we are raising um, dogs to place with kids to be their service dogs and their companions. In their brains, how they receive the environment is at a much more extreme level than someone without autism. So, for instance, um, a light, which is just a light to us, will, can look more like a spotlight to someone with autism. Or hearing sounds in a restaurant um, is amped up and can sound like a rock concert. So the overstimulation from the environment is very hard to deal with. Um, and. Um, all kinds of behaviors come out of that. And so anything that will soothe and heal and not be so complicated to relate to can soften that resistance to connection because autistic people are in defense all the time, just trying to calm the environment down enough to make it bearable. And so here's this dog whose energy level is simple and it's affectionate and it's safe. Um, that kind of connection is so much easier to form than it is with people or other aspects of the environment. And so the outcome of that is phenomenal. You know, autism comes on a full range of, uh, disability. Some uh, people are very high-functioning, and their speech is good, and their social abilities is pretty high. And other people, if you go down to the other end of the scale, some autistic people are nonverbal. Their social connections are difficult, if not a, if not non-existent. So, for instance, to get down to a specific, here's a mom and a dad with an autistic child who has difficulty communicating, and so somehow a dog comes into the picture and a connection, this easy connection is made with the dog, safe and comfortable and easy. And pretty soon, especially if there's help with that, maybe the child is beginning to interact with the dog, even talk to the dog or express affection to the dog in a way, that he or she has not been able to do with a person, and then that can transfer over to a family. So can you imagine, here's this mom who hears her child maybe even talk at all for the first time and then furthermore begin to um, talk quite a bit, and then maybe this mom is hearing, I love you, from this child for the first time. That never happened before the dog came on the scene. That's profound.
0: It is profound. That's powerful. What is it, uh, you said that the, the people that have autism do feel that safe uh, uh, sense of, of the dog's presence and so on and so forth. I'm not quite sure how to ask this, but, and you talked about the inner energetic level. Tell us a little more about, about the difference between the energetic level and the intellectual level, and um, why is that so potent, Isn't that a great question? Let me
2: explore that. So one way to look at it as far as I'm concerned, what I'm observing lately, just about everywhere, is the level that we generally deal with is conscious. You know, we're conscious and aware, and we can see cause and effect and that sort of thing. And there seems to be an energy level that's deeper and quieter and not as conscious and so it's like we're looking deep into something and we're going, oh, this is something that's affecting me that I haven't even been aware of. It's affecting me on a cellular level. Um, deeper is the word that I come up with with that. And uh, it, lots of people are beginning to talk about this energy stuff and being aware of it and accessing it more. Um, people who delve into physics and it's just coming from all kinds of disciplines. And so what I'm observing is we're dealing, we're affecting each other at the level of energy between ourselves at levels that are not conscious to us, but boy, do we operate from it. For instance, if I walk up to you and your body posture is real tight and you have kind of a scowl on your face, um, I have a automatic reaction to that that I may not even, it's not like going through my mind, oh, she's scowling and her shoulders are lifted and her arms are crossed. I don't even think about that. All I know is I have this kind of body sensation, um, like if you can imagine that every cell has its own little brain, that I am picking up on those signals that I don't have on a conscious level, and then my action is geared from that, whether I'm conscious of it or not. And so that can work positively as well. Uh-huh. So here's this child who is with a bunch of anxious people who want to connect with him or her so much. And so the the level of energy is kind of tense and demanding and pushy um, because people are just trying to help and they feel inadequate and kind of helpless and they're family members and they really want to do the best for this kid. And so the environment is just kind of wound up like that all the time. And here comes along this dog who just, that energy level, it might be boisterous, um, but nothing is required. So it's it's subtle and it may not be conscious, but it's what we react to and act from. Does that clear it up any at all?
0: Yes, it does. That's very clear. That's a great um, explanation. It, it reminds me of that old Aesop's fable of the sun and the wind. You know, they were having a contest trying to get the man to take his coat off, and the wind blew, and, of course, he drew his coat tighter, and the sun beamed on him, and he took his coat off.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that analogy. hmm Yes. Well, um Go ahead. It'd be kind of fun, if you have time, to just give you a couple of promo, uh, personal yeah. stories from the dogs that I have raised personally. Yes, yeah, please um, So my first dog's name was Max, and he was the shyest puppy of his litter of nine. And he happened to go to a little boy who was also pretty shy and retiring. I think the little boy was six at the time. Um, and so Max had some difficulty with his public access training. Um, it made him nervous and anxious, and he wasn't as natural in social public situations, which is what, how they're supposed to help the kids, is to go with, with the child anywhere the child might go, church, school, restaurants, movies, on the plane, to be a companion to this child. So here was Max, who was pretty anxious himself. But there's something unexplainable that happens between these kids and these dogs. This is what I've observed. And it happens instantly. And so here's shy little Max, and we go for placement of him. And within five minutes, this shy, retiring dog has the whole family grouped around him on the couch, showing him his new toys. Hmm. And so there's some kind of connection for him, and particularly that little boy, that made things better for both of them. And so then in the future, when the little boy would go someplace like Walmart, you know, some big store, Mm -hmm. that under normal circumstances would be a very difficult situation for him, because he had this bond with his dog, he could focus in on helping the dog be comfortable in that situation, and it helped the little boy himself. Isn't that That's cool?
0: a, that is cool. That's a powerful story. It, it's a in kind of an odd way. It's like in the twelve steps about how your people are urged to be of service, and and if you're of service and you're kind of quote out of that self centeredness, then things are better. It's time for our it's time for our break. Um, we'll be right back. Stay with us and Spirit of Recovery. will return in just a few minutes. Music
1: daily word inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy prosperous and meaningful lives
0: my mind and body are in an ongoing conversation my body responds to my thoughts and my mind continually receives messages from my body especially when something is out of order however i am more than mind and body i am created in
2: the image and likeness of god I am first and foremost spirit. As I bring my spiritual awareness into the conversation between mind and body, I keep myself in balance. I know my body and its needs. I nurture it with food and water, rest and exercise. I also send an affirmation of life and renewal to every cell of my being. With spirit-centered thoughts, words, and actions, I claim my true identity as a whole and healthy expression of God Mind, body,
1: and spirit. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com.
0: Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is your best therapist might just be a real dog. And we're talking about animal-assisted therapy and about how um, animals create a safe space for uh, connection, for nurturing, and how they can be a support um, to people even in recovery, people that are working to recover the fullness of their lives, people that are working to make connections with themselves and others and to uh, connect with that higher power within and without us. My guest today is Carol Brown, and uh, she is sharing with us about the work that she does through um, Carol Brown, A Better Way, uh, which is her uh, therapy uh, practice that she has. Carol is an addictions counselor who's been in practice for many, many years, and she uses various modalities, and one of those is animal-assisted therapy. And uh, she and her golden retriever, Elby, um, who is... Animal therapist are members of the Harry Angel Foundation uh, of Sedona, Arizona. Before we get back to our conversation with Carol, I invite you to join me in a, the serenity minute to share with me a constructive idea and to relax as we're listening to some uh, pleasing music and just to take a moment to let go into that nurturing space within us to make that connection with our higher power so I invite you to join me now in this constructive idea I'm grateful for honest loving connections through those I heal I'm grateful for honest loving connections through those I heal Joining me in the Serenity Minute and that constructive idea, and taking just a moment to relax. And now we're back to our conversation with Carol Brown of CarolBrownAbetterWay.com and talking with her about your best therapist might just be a real dog. So, Carol, right before the uh, break, you were telling us some stories about um, therapy dogs that you've worked with told us about max and his success with a little boy who was very shy who had autism what are some other experiences that you've had um, with therapy dogs working with people
2: thanks um, first I w- during the break I thought I want to tell you the story that wasn't mine specifically but it pointed uh, out what we were talking about before about that that subtle energy about there's that something that happens which we don't exactly understand what it is but we can certainly see the effects of it so this story was that a family had taken their autistic child to a restaurant and uh and those are difficult um high intensity places and the restaurant was particularly crowded which the family didn't expect and so they were on high alert, and they thought, "Boy, this one's not going to last. They aren't going to be able to stay." And the service dog was with them, and the child and the dog was under the table. They're well trained to um, to be absolutely well behaved in public places, and the dog was under the table. And the child asked if she could go under the table with the dog, and so the parents said, "Okay." And uh, she disappeared beneath the tablecloth. And, <laughs> and after a few minutes, she hadn't resurfaced. And um, they looked under the table, and she had fallen asleep holding the dog's paw in her hand. Mm. And so for her to be able to be relaxed enough in that environment to go to sleep was amazing. And so she uh, woke up a couple minutes later and sat back up at the table, and was able to sit there with the family and eat some dinner. Now, something happened on an energetic level to transform the energy of that child is what I'm thinking. I don't know that, but it looked like something different happened because of the presence of the dog. What was that? And so that what was that is what intrigues me um, as I just go about my life and observe what's going on at this energy level that we haven't been particularly conscious or aware of. And it's, um, it's wonderful. The other story I wanted to tell about that, about these magnificent things that happen under the surface, is the last dog I raised and place was for a 15-year-old boy, and he lives in Phoenix, and I live in Dallas. And he and his family came to get the dog when it was time. And they had never met the dog before. And we we were all taking pictures like mad as this thing took place. And um, we were in my living room, and there was a clock up above where the dog and the boy were. So we could see that what we saw transpired in about five minutes. And so... Later on, I would look at those pictures and look at those little movies we took, and it, in, in the first five minutes of meeting, it was as if that dog and that child had been waiting for each other all their lives. They bonded so immediately. And, you know, the parents and I are just sitting there with tears running down our cheeks, looking at this and feeling this instant connection that happened. Now, what was that? That certainly wasn't at the level that we usually observe, as far as I can see. But it, but it's wow. When you're in the presence of it, it's really something. And so people will say, well, don't don't the dogs miss you? <laughs> no, they don't, because it's like on some level they know what they came here for. What what's that? And so that's at this level of some power greater than we are. Um, and I also observe that in my practice. So I have two golden retrievers, actually. Um, The other one's name is Diamond, and she was contributed to us, and she was supposed to be a replacement dog for another family in Phoenix. And because there was so much other severe illness in the family, in addition to autism, they couldn't receive her. And they asked that rather than pass her on to another family, that we keep her because the young autistic man now, Liked it that he has a dog. It's important to him. He used to have a dog, and that dog died. And now he knows that he has a dog. And so that somehow has meaning to him, a lot of meaning to him, even though he will never meet her. And so that was the best that we could do for that family. And so I send pictures and I send little movies, and we do the best we can to connect the family with the dog. So, wow.
0: Mm -hmm. Powerful stories i know that you so use, I also,
2: go I'm sorry interrupt you, but i also work with these dogs now in my addiction recovery practice and they have a right. strong impact there as well yeah
0: that's so tell us about that because again i know as you've been telling us the initial training that you take with the hairy Angels Foundation is, I think, specifically geared for the dogs working with uh, folks with autism, but but you've expanded that. Tell us how you came to do that and what types of clients you work with and how, how the dogs work with you there.
2: So I work um, in my recovery practice with people who have some connection with addiction, and they're mostly people who are... Already in recovery, either for their own addiction or that they have the effects of really caring about someone else who is addicted. They come from an alcoholic family. They have they have spouses or kids who have addictions or alcoholism, and there's a there's as big an effect from that as there is from the addiction itself. So, they're coming to me to learn how to expand their wellness and to be healthier, more whole people. And we do that. The emphasis is a lot is on connecting with self. You know, we use the word nurture several times in our discussion when I've let you get in a word in edgewise. <laughs> um, and so it just sort of happened because these two dogs stayed with me that they would be kind of a natural... They would just be present with us in the session. And energetically, the safer and the more pleasant and the more nurturing and assisting to anybody there to make that self-connection, um, the better, the farther, the faster that person can go toward their own wholeness and wellness. And so I'll sit in a chair, and the client sits across from me on the couch and, and um Albie loves to play ball. So her main function is to wait for the person to be done with the session and come play ball with her in the yard a little bit before they go home. And Diane has more of a uh, personal connection with the client, and she just kind of makes her own assessment, and she interacts with the person in a way that's appropriate for both of them. Some clients she'll climb up on the couch and rest her head in their lap, And so the person is telling me about what's important to them while they're stroking the dog. And they're not even aware that they're doing that. But there's this lovely energy, this lovely, calming, warm, fuzzy, unlimitedly loving energy that's being passed from the dog to the person that I can see as I'm looking at it that's a healing force. Um, And sometimes Diamond will go behind the couch, and I can just almost see those doggy vibes backing that person up. Or if the person gets particularly upset, both dogs will all of a sudden just quietly be there. It's like they come to lend a hand, and it's more visible through energy than it is from a direct action.
0: So it sounds like it, it was actually accidental that that you started utilizing the dogs in in your work with people in recovery. Is that accurate? I mean, they just were yeah, sort of around and you noticed.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and then you know, of course, I ask every client who comes if they're okay with dogs and if they would well, if it's if they would like the dog in in as part of the interaction or not. And, and um, actually, I've only had maybe one person who was absolutely not a dog person and didn't want the dog present. Um, and they, and people enjoy that special relationship, particularly with Diamond. And so it's part of the healing. is To have experiences that are opposite of the ones that were traumatic it goes a long way toward healing. It changes people on a cellular level. And that's a lot of what I'm about, no matter who I'm with you know, whether um, we're with an autistic family or whether I'm in my private practice.
0: Mm-hmm. What's uh, so important about nurturing in the work that you do? What, tell us about that uh, trauma-nurture difference and, and why is nurture such an antidote to trauma? I think,
2: um, particularly with my focus on addicted families, but I think it spreads out to families in general, anywhere there's pain. And, of course, everybody through life has pain in some aspect or another, but what happens when there's something painful going on is people can get disconnected from themselves and from others. And it... And sometimes that reconnection with self and with others doesn't happen. Or sometimes that connection with self doesn't happen from the beginning. People are born into families where there's a lot of commotion going on for whatever reason, and the focus becomes on helping the pain in the family. Instead of having an atmosphere where the energy around it is, oh, we have energy to spare ourselves, the caregivers, and we're here to make sure that you know how valuable and how loved you are, and we're here to guide and help you, and we're here to show you that the world is a wonderful place and you can trust it, and um, it's going to be there to support you. For a lot of people, that never happens, and so there's this big disconnect from self, and so people grow up not knowing how to connect with themselves or how to take care of themselves properly. And so when you look at the culture as a whole, for instance, it's like we all get up in the morning and you know, get up on our horses and ride off into our busyness, and it's like we've all been trained to live 72 hours in every 24. And so we don't learn how to take care of ourselves. We don't, we don't know the reality of time because there's so much pressure in the culture as a whole to live beyond the energy you've got. And so part of the nurture thing is to begin to be aware aware and conscious about how much time do I really have in a day or how much energy do I really have? And let me consciously begin to choose what's good for me and beneficial to me and what's not instead of this unconscious, not connected with self, just agreeing about doing what everybody else is doing or doing what's expected of us. And so to reverse that process and give people ways to make that connection with self, the upshot of that then is here's this healthier, connected with self, connected with universal source, and much more able to be actually available and actually connected with others. So with people who have addictions or the family illness, that's absolutely necessary to to have that kind of wellness because every part of their person has been disrupted and destroyed in some way. And so recovering people in particular need to learn that reversal of trauma and that self-connection and that self-nurture where people who aren't that deleteriously affected can kind of lump along in the middle ground.
0: Mm-hmm. You, so you're telling us one, that one thing about being connected to self is is to really be aware of time, to be aware of how much uh, energy we have in a, in a day and so forth. Could you explain to us some more about what what does it mean? What are some concrete examples of being disconnected from self? So let's say I'm a boy in a family um,
2: who has been raised with people who were Kind of in pain and disconnected from themselves, also. Okay, You're let me going. put a check mark on that
0: where it's time for our break, uh, speaking of time. Okay. And we'll be right back and then we'll you can share that with us. Well, hold that thought.
2: There is
0: quiet.
5: Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. The voice of an awakening world.
0: Letting go in the stillness.
1: You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us... Our topic is, your best therapist might just be a real dog. And we're talking with my guest, Carol Brown, from carolbrownabetterway.com, where she is an, an addictions counselor working with people in private practice, and Carol also utilizes therapy dogs. In her practice, so she's talking with us about uh, the importance of animal-assisted therapy and how that is so grounding for people. How it provides so much healing and nurture. Carol um, has been a substance abuse counselor for many years since 1982. She has an MA in substance abuse counseling, and she's worked in that field for uh, since 1982. She's a speaker, a teacher, a mentor, and supervisor for adult degree programs. A consultant and trainer, and she is passionate and committed to helping anyone improve the quality of their recovery from addiction or the effects of uh, being a family member or a friend of someone with the disease of addiction. And so, Carol, before our break, you were sharing with us what it—some concrete ideas of what it really feels like, looks like—to um, be disconnected from self, and you were beginning to tell us a story about a young man and a family and about what disconnection looks like.
2: Thanks. So here, here's our young man in the family as a child, and, and there are values in this family, and there's a focus in this family, and there's a place where the energy goes in this family. And so let's say that particularly the dad and the grandfather are very important figures in the family, and they're in the same line of business. And as this child grows up, it's kind of a given, both spoken and just kind of energetically transmitted, that this child is expected to be like his father and like his grandpa. And that's fine. Those might be uh, very laudable goals to have. But what gets out of balance is there's not focus put on who the child is really. That's not important never mind who you are, our, your job is to become like these other people. And so there's a lot of message that gets passed down, especially in any kind of painful situation in our family, that it comes down to, never mind about you. You just do what we need you to do and be who we need you to be. And so the, any connection that that child has with self and who they really are gets lost. And that's a lonely proposition because I think that connection with self is where the soul resides. That's my personal opinion about that. So, you know, see what you think about that, you and your listeners. Um, So when you get cut off from that very important nut of who you are, then that's lonely and painful. And so we do some things to try to get over that pain. And whoops, here are some things that, are, that we're trying to help ourselves with that then turn into things that get stuck and way out of balance and turn into addictive processes. And so one way to look at it is we're just trying to get back to that original connection with self, which really is connection with higher power, the way I look at it. So that might be interesting for your listeners to consider about what do you think about that.
0: Right. Tell us some more about how you see that, Carol. What What do you mean that being connected with self is being connected with higher power? How does that work? Well,
2: I know in my own recovery process, I was so focused outside myself and in such a defensive posture just trying to survive that that made connections in general, just very difficult. I couldn't connect with me. I couldn't connect with God. I couldn't connect with you. I just, it's kind of like man overboard. You know, I, I, I fell off the boat and nobody sent me a life preserver yet. And so the life preserver becomes this connection, connection in community. In recovery circles, of course, there's a lot of emphasis on we, we can do together. We together can help can help each other connect with ourselves, and we can connect with each other, and we can connect with some higher source. Um, so, to me, that the longer, the more well I get, the more important that becomes. As I'm having more delight in the self discovery, and so I found out over time that, oh, I was being very neglectful to myself. And so where I would look out and I would think, oh, I'm so lonely and I just wish I could hook up with other people and would do all these goofy things to try. And who I was really lonely for was me. But I didn't have the skill to connect with myself. And through getting some help for myself, some people taught me that about Here's a way that you connect with yourself. So we were, we were talking about the time and the energy. So to just to be with somebody who asks me, brings up these questions about, well, you know, if you think about your day tomorrow, what are the most important things to you that you want to have happen or that you want to do? So, you know, the person sits there and they think of their little list and we can talk about, well, that's a cool list, but it sounds a little long. How much of that do you think is realistic to do? And so there's this just kind of gently guiding the person to looking inward and considering, well, what do I think about that? How do I feel about that? What's my particular list given this question? Um, and so there's this redirect to insight to self rather than outward to all of that distraction. Powerful. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, did that answer what you asked? Yeah. You know, yeah,
0: it did. Yeah, that was good. That was really a clear, uh, clear uh, explanation of what that actually looks like and gives some ideas about how we can get in touch with that self just in, in some simple ways like that, just taking the time to, as you said, to ask yourself those questions. I'll, tell you, I'll
2: tell you a funny example about that. A hairy angel... Um, there's there's a long-standing joke about Carol and her naps. One of the ways I take care of myself is I take naps. You know, I get that rest throughout the day. I'm in touch with how much energy I've got, and I take naps. And so one of the things with the dogs and the autistic kids is um, they don't sleep well, generally, the kids. And so to have the dog sleep with the child assists that greatly calms the anxiety, helps the kids sleep better, keeps them from wandering around at night because they're more likely to stay in the room with the dog. So when we train these puppies, we, we bed train them. We teach them to sleep with us. Well, that's the best thing I do. <laughs> and so I'm very good at bed training and nap training with any puppy that I have. That's so, your specialty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my specialty. Yes. I'm the master
0: great. of the naps. That's good. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, what can people do? That I mean, people here that are our listeners that are in uh, recovery or just interested in this, and they may or may not be able to uh, ha- actually have an animal uh, therapist. But we're all around animals. If you have a pet, or what can what can you do just as a a person in the world to help utilize uh, that love and. Kindness of animals to help our, ourselves in a in a way that's also, of course, good for the animal.
2: So, just from what we've been talking about, if you have your own pet cat or dog or bird or whatever, and we're now beginning to talk about, oh, there's some energy that goes back and forth between us that's really valuable and really good. So, just to notice that, um, your listeners could do that for themselves about and. Maybe spend a little more conscious time with their pet, knowing that it's really of great benefit to both pet and person, um, and just do that in a little more conscious way, you know. Take another walk with your dog, or take a little five minutes to play ball with the dog in the backyard, or sit with your cat beside you. um, Take a little petting time three or four times a day, and know then on a cellular level, something healing and important is happening, that that's valuable for your whole body to do that. So just to be conscious of that and take a little action out of that could be could be interesting
0: mm-hmm.
2: and great to observe.
0: In our last few minutes here, tell us, you. I know that you just got back from a workshop in Sedona. I, I think you probably take... Uh, refresher workshops or maybe their next level of skill or so forth or uh, a Harry Angels Foundation workshop. So tell us what was new about this, what you learned and what you're bringing back with you into your practice.
2: Oh boy, oh boy. So what what happened was we have recently had a new litter. We have six absolutely gorgeous, wonderful puppies who are um, two months old now. And um, so we New puppy raisers have been assigned, and there's a friend of mine here in Dallas who will be raising one of the new puppies. And so we went this weekend for puppy raiser orientation. So the um, puppy raisers got to meet with their puppies, they got to meet with Fran, and they got to meet with Gary, our trainer, and we got to meet each other. And so I basically went as my friend's assistant. I will be helping her raise this puppy. We're going to kind of team raise the puppy, although the puppy will live at her house. And so we went for puppy raisers orientation. And, oh, boy, just to hold those puppies. So we sat in a circle and we got some information about what to expect in this puppy raising as we sat with these puppies on our lap and experienced the bonding with these little ones. You know, you can just feel that, and I could feel that in every cell of my body just sitting there with those puppies and so and then we had the bonding with each other it was a great foundation for the new puppy raisers to meet each other and to meet the man who's going to be helping uh, train them to be able to raise their puppies Um, and so we just kind of cohesed as a unit and had this orientation over the weekend
0: Carol, that's wonderful. Uh, our time is uh, completed here, but thank you so much for your enthusiasm and your nurturing presence uh, for the work that you have done in your own recovery uh, and so that you really are that connected consciously with, with yourself and with your higher power and can share that with others. And thanks to Elby and Diamond, those beautiful hairy angels, and for the work and, and that they and all the other therapy dogs do. Thanks so much for being my guest today. We appreciate it.
2: Total delight, and I send big puppy vibes to all your listeners.
0: Sounds great. All right. You can find out more about Carol's work at Carol Brown, and that's Brown with an E on the end, a com. Carol Brown, a com. And God bless you, my friends. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be with you next week here on Spirit of Recovery.
1: For tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD, and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down to earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org
4: Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening
0: world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today, and after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened.
3: This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Ready for the next steps on your spiritual path? If you are, you won't want to miss the Yoga Hour Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. Essential insights and practices from the ancient yoga science of self realization show us how to live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now.